Tanya Mark is a non-diet nutritionist, body image coach, and she's professionally certified in intuitive eating and eating psychology. She gets it. It's not easy ditching diet culture's BS messages, but she has something for you. If you are ready to ditch food guilt and body shame for good, you can grab her free guide, Five Steps to Stop Feeling Crappy About Your Body and Make Eating Easy. Just go to tanyamark.com, grab the free guide, and get started today. You can find the links to find her website in the show notes. Happy New Year, everyone. It's me, Caroline, and you're listening to the Fuck It Diet Podcast. Oh, man. I'm recording this on January 3rd. I just got back to my little house after living with my parents for two weeks out in the suburbs. And it was fun. My sister was home. It was like getting to revert to childhood a little bit. I was just planning on being there for a week through Christmas And then my grandmother passed away two days after Christmas. So I stayed for an extra week to go to the funeral. And then I bought a new car. (laughs) I got a new car yesterday. I have driven a little red Fiat for uh, four and a half years. And I finally got a bigger car that has four doors. Um, And it is what my grandmother would have wanted for me, (laughs) as my dad said it it was my um she was my dad's mother and she was very very generous um she lived a very good long life she did not pass away from covid she had alzheimer's um but because of covid we weren't able to see her which was really really sad my dad and his siblings did get to see her just that very last day um and she wasn't lucid um at all but we didn't get to see her so it was really sad we had a funeral with just immediate family meaning just the children their spouses meaning my aunts and uncles and the grandchildren that's it and she had so many friends so it would have been a huge funeral if we had been able to have one so it was sad very sad but as my father did say yesterday when I got so I'm leasing a car which helped me get a little bit nicer of a car than I would have been able to buy outright. He said, you know, it's kind of appropriate because if Riri, that was my grandmother's name, if Riri had, you know, known about this and you had told her that you were getting a car, she would have said, oh, hun, get the nicer one. I'll help out. (laughs) So it's, he said, it's right that you got the slightly nicer version. Um, Anyway, what am I really trying to say? I have a new car. It's a Jeep Compass. It has Apple CarPlay. (laughs) I was literally driving a car that would sap my phone's battery when I would plug it in as opposed to charging it. So it feels really nice to have an upgrade. Happy New Year. This episode comes out on January 4th. And the following day, January 5th, is my birthday my 33rd birthday. If you have any desire to give me a little free birthday gift, this is what you could do. You could, and you don't have to obviously, you could rate and review this podcast five stars on iTunes or rate and review my book, The Fuck It Diet, five stars on Amazon or wherever you bought it. 
If you don't like this podcast or my book five stars worth, the gift would be to just not rate it at all. Those are two free gifts that you could give me that would make me happy, that would support me, that hopefully won't take too much from you, and I will be genuinely forever grateful for. Um, The slightly less free gift you could give would be to buy my book and read it if you haven't, or if you have and you've been meaning to give it to a friend or family member to buy them a copy as a January anti-diet gift. Um, Obviously, you don't have to do a goddamn thing. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to give me a gift at all. Just listening is enough. And I thank you. I genuinely thank you for being here, for listening. Um, That is enough for me. So what else do I want to say? Okay, today I am sharing a conversation that I had with my best friend, Annie. She is my best friend from high school. Um, We lived together in our mid-20s in Washington Heights in New York. Um, we, on the conversation that I, so I had this conversation with her maybe mid December and we talk about our disordered eating in high school that we, I mean, we've talked about it like very briefly over the years, but we kind of got into it more than we ever have. Um, because we were both experiencing disordered eating when we were in high school, but we never talked about it then because we didn't have the context or the awareness. And then we talk about how she got out of it and um, in her 20s. So we both kind of got out of disordered eating in our 20s. And I do feel really lucky that my good friend is has been on a similar path to me. I think it would be a little bit harder to be such close friends if she was still in kind of a dieting headspace and still consumed by diet culture. So I feel really, really lucky for that. So we talk about our disordered eating in high school and then sort of how we got out of it in our 20s. And then Annie talks a little bit about her experience with pregnancy and postpartum, she has a four-month-old baby right now. And when we recorded it, he was three and a half months. So she was just still in that very kind of early postpartum period. And she has this awareness, thankfully, about diet culture. And she was able to sort of see all of that around her and all the stuff that's pushed on pregnant women and women who have just given birth. Um, and we talk about that so she talks about diet culture toxic diet culture that's kind of pushed on pregnant women and women who've just given birth from her perspective in a way that I can't talk about because I've never experienced that so that is it's a long conversation so I'm not going to give too much more of an intro here Um, but what she also has said and I'll remind you of this afterwards is so she shared some of her favorite accounts that she follows And those are in the show notes. And she also said that if you want to follow her, she's not uh, like an influencer or or anything. She's just my friend. But she did say that if you've experienced anything similar or going through pregnancy postpartum stuff and want to connect with her, you can follow her on Instagram at Annie B. McCarthy. And that's also linked in the show notes. And you can DM her. Um, She's really lovely. So... If that's of any interest to you, you can go ahead and do that. But I'm going to share my conversation with her. But before I do, I just want to say, 
that it's kind of bizarre and I'm not going to say who we're talking about, but in the postpartum section. So also if you're listening to this and you kind of just want to skip to the, to the pregnancy postpartum part, that's like further on in the conversation, maybe like halfway through, um, feel free to skip to that if that's what you would rather listen to. Um, but we talk about a certain influencer who I'm not going to name, but you might be able to figure out who we're talking about because she has been in the news. Maybe not like mainstream, mainstream news, but she's definitely been talked about a lot over the holidays. And uh, I don't want to say who it is. Annie didn't want me to say explicitly who it is, but something to do with Spain and the word cucumber. And that's all I'm going to say, but... I just think it's so fascinating that we talked about her before that blew up in the news on in our conversation that I'm sharing today. Um, looking at my dog, Molly, and she's asleep, but she was wagging her little tail, which means she was having a happy dream. I love that. All right, one last thing before I share the conversation with Annie is that there may be some triggering content in what we talk about, We talk about disordered habits that we had in high school and college. We talk about disordered thoughts that we had in high school and college. Um, Of course, you know, with the perspective of how toxic that was, but it still potentially could be triggering, triggering. And we also talk about pregnancy weight gain amounts. Um, But we do do our best to be the least triggering possible and also have lots of awareness around how toxic it all is. So it's definitely from that lens, but if you feel particularly sensitive, just be aware of that before listening to the conversation. All right, I hope you enjoy. This episode's next sponsor is Side by Side Nutrition. Side by Side's dietitians work to empower people to become their own nutrition experts. Their team of health at every size and weight inclusive nutrition therapists work virtually all over the United States and locally in Colorado. They work both individually with clients of all ages, genders, and diagnoses, in addition to running ongoing online groups, including an intuitive eating and body image support group, meal support groups, binge eating disorder support group, and restorative yoga. They put out free weekly content on their YouTube channel, blog, and Instagram to help inspire your journey to a trusting and self-compassionate relationship with food and your body. They offer one-on-one nutrition and body image therapy to those who struggle with eating disorders, disordered eating, and chronic dieting. And they also take a variety of insurances, including the large commercial insurance companies Cigna, Aetna, and United Healthcare, which is really helpful. If you are ready to work one-on-one, you can email contact at sidebysidenutrition.com and find the number to call in this episode's show notes. Again, that's contact at sidebysidenutrition.com. So Annie is my best friend from high school. We actually first met, uh, well, you know, we went to middle school and high school together, but we were in different grades, but our first Mm -hmm. like genuine interaction I would say was when we both kind of starred in our middle school production of Once on This Island, <laughs> which a white all-girls school probably should not have done but we no. did it 
We did. I played a man. You played a man. And I played kind of your counterpart because so once in this island has four gods. There's the god of there's the god of the earth, the god of water, <laughs> Papa Gay, Sly Demon of Death, which was Sly Anne. Demon of Death, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Urzuli, the beautiful goddess of love. That was me. Yep. So we were the opposites typecast. I feel like I still know every line from that show. Whenever I listen to Once on this Island, I, it just comes back to me. Like all of my singing lines. I know. I, I would need to listen like, to it. I feel like I wouldn't know it right now, but. It would it come would back, come back to, you. to me. You'll, you never forget. But so we both did theater and we both went to school. Like we both went to college for theater. And mm-hmm. we both had disordered eating that mm-hmm. I didn't know. Like, you know, I, I've said this many times, I think, on this podcast, but I genuinely didn't know that I had disordered eating until my mid-20s, until the fuck it diet. I just thought yeah. that it was normal. Yeah. Um, and what was your, I mean, like, we have talked about it a little bit, but what was your experience of your own? So I would say, I was thinking about it this morning, like, I feel like I had disordered eating like since probably like age 13 mm-hmm. when probably during playing Papa Gay slide. Really? <laughs> I mean, I feel like I did. I remember hearing like other people, like girls who were on like the cross country team or like talking about like food, just like being around other girls sometimes and thinking like, oh, this is normal. Like yeah. I... There's a person I'm thinking of specifically. I'm not going to mention her by name, mm-hmm. but there was this girl at our school who was really, really skinny. And I will never forget, I was in a play, one of the plays with her, and I will never forget her drinking this mug of green tea. And she was talking about how it was really good for her. Mm-hmm. Like her, like she needed, like, it, it was like, and I, and I remember like learning like, well, green tea, like makes your metabolism speed up and makes you skinny. And like, I just remember I put this girl on a pedestal for like, oh, wow. Like, look at her, like taking right. it in her control. At a very like, or age. she must be doing something right. Yes, right? exactly. And, and you like, were in eighth grade too. I was in seventh grade, like when we were in that show together. And I, that was like my last year of just being like a kid skinny, like the skinniness yeah. that I was as a kid. I felt ugly. (laughs) Yeah. But I didn't start thinking about weight until the following year when I kind of went through puberty more. Yeah. Well, and you had the boob factor going on. That came on on hard in eighth grade. Which I never had. Right. But I was never like a skinny kid. When I was in probably like fifth, sixth grade, I I was like kind of like, you know, what do they call it? Like that like baby weight thing, you know, like little Mm -hmm. like you know, that middle school like stock chubbiness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, I, but I don't remember ever caring about it until probably like 13, 14. Right. And also, unfortunately, my deep obsession with the Olsen twins kind of yeah. got me a little messed up in it because they were always so tiny and so skinny. And like, as a teenager, I remember watching their videos and being like, why am I not as skinny as them? Right. Yeah. And then, you know, theater, of course, your looks are so important. And just be just believing that, you know, 
oh, I can't eat bagels. Like uh, all those people can, but I can't. Right. Like, right. And it's, you know, I will get fat if I do that. Or it's all funny whatever. because we never really, well, so when we became friends, I guess, I guess I don't really remember us talking about it that much though. I know I talked about it a lot. I don't remember us together being like, we're going to lose weight. Do you know what I no. mean? No, no, I don't. I feel like for me, it was very internalized. Yeah. Actually. I feel like you, like you, I feel like you and your mom were kind of going on diets together. Right. right? Wasn't right. That and my, like my legit, the thing that made it feel so legit for me and like so important for me was PCOS and like believing yes. that if yeah. I didn't get a handle on my quote unquote food addiction that I was positive that I had, that I was going to just like spin into like a horrible like disease. Yes. Like that's right. what I believed. Yeah. And so and I, I never talked that, about it all so. of the time. And I'm sure that that was fucking annoying and stressful, especially if you were like kind of internalizing your yeah. own. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't ever remember thinking, I remember from my perspective when you were on di- the diets and like, there was this one time when we were at, um, Claire Halberstadt's house. It was <laughs> For Labor Day, remember she would have those little parties. Yes, do you remember that in her I yard? Do. I do. Okay, so you came, <laughs> you came, and you had just gotten back from the shore, oh, and yeah. you were on the Adkins diet. Mm-hmm. And I remember you saying, and like it was like you and your mom, you know, whatever. But I remember be, having like envy towards you because you were like in control of mm. these diets. I wonder. It was all just like spinning in my head, like oh, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. Right. And then it flip-flopped because I feel like maybe two years after that. So I would have success losing weight, you know, quote unquote success, losing weight on one of these extreme low carb diets that I would like do religiously and obsessively for a couple months. And then I would start binging again. I was like, oh my God, my food addiction, like it's winning. And then I did again and again and again. And so I felt like my problem was binging. And that was my like, my belief was that I was like completely out of control. And then two years later, when you, to me, that was when I was like, oh, Annie is like figured it out. And I, oh, was yeah. so, and I was so jealous of you. Yep. Yep. And you ran so what, all the time. That, yeah. And I was like so weak and couldn't run. I was like, What's yeah, I need, just need to, I, I just need know. to do what Annie's doing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Which is so crazy that we were both thinking that about each other. I know. I know. And like, I didn't even really know that you had a binging problem. Like from my perspective, it was always like you were on the diet and it was like successful and then right, maybe it you fizzled s- out and then it was the next one, you know, right, whatever. Right. I think there would be a rare time when like together we would, well, we, we had our moments like with Halloween candy, like at Mary's house. Yes, we did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we did. But like eating like I'm, 600 Reese's cups. Yes. But I like, but then, but like my fear my like the fear that it stoked in me of like oh my god I am like truly out of control was yeah like, was like internalized because I was trying to I don't know it was horrible it was all awful it was all awful it was all awful I remember like way into my mid-20s when everything turned around for me like my days were measured on whether I was good or not yeah like going to bed and being like yes like I made it to bed yes. I didn't binge or like eat anything bad this is right. amazing. And so like, I guess from my perspective, like, so you, you had this like stint in high school of like, quote unquote, successful restriction and like, yes, probably over exercising and you were very yes. thin. And I was like, wow, yep. she did it. 
And then did you like, what, I don't actually know what, did you like go and get like treatment for that? Or did you go to, um, like a therapist? Um, So what ended up happening, I started, I started restricting a lot and I would like not eat like brownies, you know, at school in advisory, like, you know, and like, you think I was so great and, you know, I finally figured it out. Yeah. I was very restrictive. And then I started running a ton. And then actually the school called my parents really because they noticed that I had lost a lot of weight. And I remember thinking, I remember not even noticing that it had happened to me. And I was like, wow, like, wow, people noticed that I lost weight because to me, I didn't like look in the mirror and think that I had. Right. It's hard to tell when it's happening to you. Like, yeah. It's like, oh, there's, it's could, it could be better. Like I could be doing yeah. better. I could be smaller. Did and you think that fact- that was like great that people noticed or were I you ha- like, oh. I had a little bit of like satisfaction in that, but like my mom was obviously extremely stressed about it. And then I remember going to the doctor because, you know, it was a thing and they, something about my blood work was off something Mm. with like my kidneys or something. And Mm. like, probably because I was really small. Right. Right. And I was like, how old? Like 17 probably. Yeah. Um, and then I did go see a psychologist and a psychiatrist to like talk about it. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up taking, uh, anti-anxiety medication for a little while. I forgot about that. Um, and I ended up seeing a nutritionist too. And I remember this lady, like she was super nice and she would give me like recipes and stuff. But now looking back on it, like that made me obsessed too. Sure. It was all, it was all. Yeah. Yeah. I think that she was like, she was like, you can make this for breakfast. Well, blah, 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 blah. blah. So then I became obsessed with making like this omelet for breakfast every day. Cause I knew exactly what was in it. And like, so like, you know, the whole, that whole treatment process. And that's really that helpful. Un- unfortunately, and I think it's turning around a little bit, but there's still a lot of people who treat eating disorders who do it from a very like, okay, well you can control what you eat, but just make sure that you eat enough. But then inherently yeah. it's obsessive. And is it really enough? Like it's so, you know, there are a lot of issues unless it's truly like a weight inclusive and intuitive eating way of approaching disordered eating or eating disorders. Like it's just yeah. people stuck in a weird Yeah. And I don't remember like anyone telling me like, you need to gain weight or like, right. And cause you went that far in, I'm sure that they were like, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like I was like, you know, needing to go to like a rehab facility or anything, you know, crazy, but it was definitely a thing. My, my mom was really upset about it and stressed about it because like my health was at risk. Right. Right. And being that young, you just don't really get it. No, you like, don't get it at all. You're like, I'm fine. I'm like literally doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I finally look the way I Exactly. Want. Yeah. And I look like an Olsen twin. So like, come on, like what else? Could wait, 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 want? This has been my goal ever since I was a child. But okay, so then yeah, after bad. that, like after that, did you sort of just kind of go into like a, like a diet binge cycle that basically I was in like for the years after that. Yes. And even during that time, I remember I would like bake things at home, which is like a eating disordered Mm -hmm. thing to do. Mm -hmm. And I remember I would like try to resist eating the things, but there were times when I would binge on it. And then at school, like, you know, there were so many treats around all the time. 
And like, you know, the vending machine, it's like, oh, I had a Snickers. I, I may as well eat 12. Like, I remember you know. eating like five <laughs> Snick, like full Snickers at once from that vending machine during yeah. the promotion. Like that was like, it was, it was like an all or nothing life all yeah. the time. And like, so the bit, and then I definitely had like obsessive exercise to make up for that. Like, right. Definitely. Which and was like, horrible. No, like there, there's just no context for like how, well, first of all, how common it is. Like you kind of feel like you're the only person going through that. Uh-huh. Yep. And then also for how, um, like how it's extremely normal to have those binging episodes and to feel obsessed with food and to feel starving when you're like putting yourself on a diet that you think is reasonable, but is actually completely unreasonable. And also we don't know, we have no context for how bad it is for us. Like at all. Yep. Not at all. So like, how can you avoid that if you think that that it's normal and like, I know, especially at that age when you have like no perspective on like, it's, there's no way it's really hard to see beyond it at all. Yeah. And like, I remember high school and college, just like assuming other people could eat things, but I couldn't. Right. And denying I had that myself too. so hardcore. Like I had that they, too. And I would even think like, well, they can gain weight and they can be bigger or they can even be fat. Uh-huh. I just can't. Exactly. I, I can't. I know. And you had your health thing and I don't know what it was. I just assumed like if I ate a bagel, I would gain like a hundred pounds. Like, I don't know what it was, but like, clearly that's not true at all. And the girls that were eating bagels were just living their life, I guess. I know it's so bizarre because like, actually in my grade, there were very few people who had obvious eating issues. Like Mm -hmm. obviously there were a couple people later on in high school, but my, for whatever reason, my grade is like so was so like wholesome. They were like, yeah, they were, they really were. But apparently according to Lexi, she's thinking about her sister's year. She was two years above me Mm -hmm. and one year above you. Apparently there were like an extreme amount of eating disorders in that year. I feel like that too. I think mine was pretty normal as well, but I also, I, I would always have excuses like, oh, well, they're an athlete. They're on the cross country team. They're playing field hockey. Like they can do whatever they want. Right. Right. I don't know if the fuck it diet, like the book really will get through to most teenagers because I feel like that state you're like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I dieted successfully once before and I just have to do it again. And then I'm going to be like, so great. Yep. I know it's really hard and you're not able to have any perspective beyond what you know in your Yeah. I feel like you have to like experience it. It's really hard. I mean, I wish, and I think that there are, I think there must be a way to like get through to teenagers like before and or during, but I don't think anybody would have been able to get through to me. I really don't. And I know that like a lot of schools and stuff, you know, emphasize like fitness and nutrition and health and like, you know, it's confusing for It's really confusing. It's really confusing because it actually is like a very muddy line. Like, I don't really remember, like, do you think that there was any like preventative awareness around like eating disorders at our school? Um, I don't. No, not at all. And if there was, I, again, I would have like deliberately ignored it. Yeah. No, I don't. You don't understand what you're talking about. You're all unhealthy. Literally. Yeah. I actually, was a monster. Yeah. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I think that a lot of people 
yeah, like it, there wasn't, I don't remember having any like health education at all, really, no. <laughs> in any way. I kind of don't remember anything from high school. Yeah. <laughs> it's all a black hole. It was horrible. horrible. It was just bits so and pieces of dance motion <laughs> shining through. Barely, barely. Okay, so let's fast forward a little bit and let's talk about, and we, we discussed this like a little bit beforehand, but um, let's talk about kind of how you got out of that cycle. Ah, okay. So my binging got to a high peak in college for sure. Like I would remember going, um, to like the dining hall, like, um, little shop or whatever, and just like buying tons of like random snacks and going home and like eating it all. Right. And just like, feeling miserable and then having to dieting. I'm I'm imagining. And then I would have to skip 8am ballet class because I felt so miserable, Mm, like sick. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That happened a lot. And that was like really just miserable. Yes. In response to the dieting and going to the gym and getting on the elliptical and like thinking like this was the answer to everything. Right. Like finally, like today is the first day of the rest of my life. Yeah. And and we both went to school for musical theater. We didn't go to the same school for musical theater, but like, just, just think about like how much pressure every day there is on like, and it's not even that the teachers are putting pressure on you necessarily. It's just like unspoken. It's like unspoken going to school for performance. Like you are going to be in your leotard in dance class tomorrow Mm -hmm. morning. And like, it's just, yeah, every single person in school is thinking about. And like, you know, your peers, like too, like if your friends are in the same thing, they're talking about it too. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I had a lot of girlfriends that we would always be like, we got to go to the gym. Like, let's, you know, I'm not eating this, blah, blah, blah. Everybody kind of went through their whole period of this misery. So yeah, it just um, felt like the responsible thing to do. It was just like that, that was the assumption. Yes, definitely. Um, okay. So college was rough with all of that. And then after college, I moved to California to do a theater internship. And while I was there, I fell in love with a man and, <laughs> and then it was I had drama. to come back. It was drama. I had to come back to, uh, the East coast. Essentially what ended up happening was that I had a really really intense heartbreak and over, over like a period of years. Yeah. Um, but even at that theater internship, there were times when we had to work the concessions and I would eat like 12 bags of M&Ms, like (laughs) maybe not 12, but maybe six, like stealing. I was like stealing it. So (laughs) I was like, Oh, I'm working tonight. Gotta eat, you know, like, and it was all just like manic, like, yes, in response to dieting. So that was still going on. So basically I would say, how old was I when I got like, when this heartbreak was happening? Oh God, I can't even. So what would 20... it have been when we lived together? Cause Annie and I lived together. Yes. For years. Yes. That was like the peak. Uh, that wasn't like peak heartbreak, but like it was still pretty, pretty bad. Was that the I'd tail say. end of it or was that tail the end? I think. Okay. So that was, so that was 2014, was 24 and 25. So okay. it would have been when you were like 25, 26. So maybe it was like just mid twenties. Yes. So like 25 ish. So because of this heartbreak that I was experiencing, which was like all consuming and miserable, 
it like provided a distraction from being obsessed about food. And also Mm -hmm. I was in a very weird life spot. I was like living with my parents for a while, like trying to pursue theater, you know, that twenties time is weird. Um, so basically I ended up unintentionally losing weight. Um, because I think I was just so emotionally drained and broken inside and just, I was really, really, really miserable. Right. And (laughs) And that's something that people don't talk about. And, you know, I had my own experience in my like mid to late twenties where I was deeply heartbroken for like a year or two. And I have like almost never been so thin and I've never been so miserable. And when I healed, I gained weight back. Yes. (laughs) So the weight, and I was so complimented and and it was all, it was so obvious to me, especially when I gained the weight back, like as I needed to, that like healing was weight gain and misery yes. was like, yes. Very thin. Yes. And like, when I think about that time, I get like a feeling in my gut. That's like, Oh, like it was like so bad. The right. feeling of that time. I don't want to ever experience that again. It was awful. And like, it was really like a gutted feeling and like my body was like reacting to that. Um, right. But it was really also a distraction way. from, from deliberate yes. dieting. Yes. A distraction from deliberate dieting, which kind of got me out of that ongoing obsession of dieting, binging, dieting, binging. And weirdly at the same time, like I actually don't know how much we ever talked about it or like how aware you were of it while it was happening with me. But right around that time for you is when I was deliberately going through the pocket diet and like I was learning about, you know, dieting, backfiring and weight and like how important weight gain is and like all of this stuff. So I don't know if you like soaked in a little bit of that. Yeah, I did. Definitely. And like, is that when you were like, um, working the office job? Yes. That was the first year of the fuck it diet for me or the first or second year. And we were living together then. Yeah. And like, you know, like through the years, you've always had like your different like kicks on things, you know, like the diets and health stuff. So mm-hmm. I've always like listened to the stuff that you've said through the years. <laughs> like an accidental, horrible, like ruining your life. But this one, this was, was good. kind of like, yeah, this was kind of like a surrender for you. Yeah, like, it was. It totally like was. Like a, a huge sigh of just like, oh, like I can't go on with all this shit anymore. Yeah, because like, it like literally ruined my life. I was miserable. Yeah, yeah. So I definitely did soak it in. And like, I remember you um, starting like the website and, you know, not knowing what it would become and all of that at all. Yeah, it's at crazy. That time. So crazy. <laughs> so, so crazy. I definitely did take that in. And like, I, I re- so that time when we were living in Washington Heights, I was babysitting for um, a local family and the mom would always make these amazing lunches. Mm. And they were like, large like hot lunches like delicious like pastas and stuff and I would eat all of it and I just was like wow like I remember thinking I would have never done this like 
a couple of years right. ago, like yes. pastas and like brit, like nourishing, delicious homemade things. And I would like eat a big like a balanced yes. meal in the middle yes. of the day in that the like before we would have been like, Oh, we have to like make it as small as possible. Yes. And I was like, wow. And I'm not, you know, I didn't gain a hundred pounds overnight. Look at that. Like my body is happy. Like, right. It's just, it needs this. Right. And it really did. Like especially at the time when it was like deprived of so much. Yes. And so, so stressed. I'm sure like so high, high stressed. stress hormones. So stressed. So that was, yeah, that was the, the heartbreak is kind of what brought me out of it. The distraction. Um, and then I think it was easier for me to kind of see this new way of living because I was kind of disconnected from it for a while. Right. Um, you like saw that it was possible to just like listen to your body. But then, yes. So the reason that we're actually talking today that we haven't even got to yet, got yeah. to yet <laughs> is that you, is that Annie just had a baby three and a half months ago at this point? Yes. Three and a half months. Yep. Annie just had a baby. And so I think what is interesting and what maybe is one of the things that we can talk about as we talk about that is so when you healed your relationship with food accidentally, you kind of did it, did it under these stressful circumstances and it was unintentional mm -hmm. and you lost all this weight. And so I'm guessing, I don't know for sure, but I'm guessing that you never really had to deal with maybe like accepting a body that you weren't fully comfortable in, maybe until mm -hmm. a little bit, re maybe until going yes. through pregnancy and now. Yes. That's exactly right. So this is yes. like a new like layer of healing. I'm, yes. I'm imagining going into pregnancy and being pregnant personally, I never was like really stressed about it. I wasn't like, Oh my God, I have to, you know, they tell you, I think it's like 25 to 30 pound weight gain. You know, mm -hmm. they're all very like specific about the numbers is like healthy. Right. Which, um, which we could and maybe should critique that like stressor. Yes. Totally. Totally. So, um, I ended up gaining like 55 pounds when I was pregnant, like from before and after. But I will okay. say you were very tiny beforehand. I was, I was tiny before because of like another anxiety stress. period. Stress of the stress of the wedding. <laughs> Annie, like, yes, I, yeah, my wedding, it was amazing and the best day ever, but like the whole planning process was very stressful to me. I started a new job during it, which was mm -hmm. a bad idea. It was just like a lot going on at one time. So anyways, yes, I gained more weight than the recommended amount, which mm -hmm. is always like looming in your mind. You're like, oh my God, like, oh God. And again, it's arbitrary. It is arbitrary. And I'm going to guess. So arbitrary. I would guess that it would be fine to gain as much as you gained no matter what, but especially knowing that you were probably a little bit under where your body like, say, yes. like happily yeah. would be, that your body was like, okay, it's time to like make up for that. And like. Yes, exactly. And like having a, a healthy baby, like it just really changes your whole perspective on that as well. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't even matter. But during, yeah. so during pregnancy, the worst part about it was that, yes, you do have cravings and, you know, I've always honored them. And there was so much shit on Instagram and mm. everywhere that's like, if you're craving ice cream, you should try a sugar-free, fat-free uh, fudgesicle. Ugh. That'll get it. 
done. Were these like, pre- were these like pregnancy blogs? <laughs> yes. Yes. And just like shit on the internet that like you Google, like there have been times when I've Googled, like, what does craving this mean specifically for pregnancy? Because I had very specific ones and it's kind of cool to be like, yeah, to like oh, understand why your body wants what it yeah. wants. It's like, oh, you need vitamin C, like whatever. But, you know, when you crave something sweet or salty, there's just so much stuff out there about substitutions. So and annoying. That's it's all just so like, annoying. That's just diet. That's literally like a fear of food. Yes. Yes. And from what I've learned over my whole journey is that if you are going to substitute for it, you're going to end up eating a shit ton of that and still feel unsatisfied yes. and unhappy. Yes. You could have just eaten what you wanted and moved on with your life. Like yes. it's so dumb. So I never, ever, ever did any kind of never of the, I always rolled my eyes at that. I felt very secure in following my body's needs during pregnancy, but I did, you know, gain weight. There was actually, I really liked my doctors who I went to, but there was one time I went and she made a comment like, Oh, so you've gained, you know, like 55 pounds. So, you know, we're going to have to do a growth scan to check on the baby to make sure that some of that weight is going to him or something like that. And I was like, okay. Like, and it was like at the end of my pregnancy and like everything had been normal and healthy. And like, I, what are you going to do? Or like, yeah, I was like, oh, sorry. Yeah. Pregnant. Like, what does she expect? <laughs> right. And like, just the way she said it was really annoying. And I was like, okay, like, thanks for that. Um, like she didn't have to say anything about my weight. She could have just been like, we're going to do a growth scan to see how the baby is, you know, right. like it didn't have to be anything about that. Right. However, that was just a once time, like a one-time thing. Every other time, you know, they would weigh you and they would never say anything about it. They wouldn't even like say it out loud. It was just That's for like good. the medical records, which I, I just wish, like, I just like across the board, I just think it's so wild that like, there isn't an awareness around how many women, especially during pregnancy, I think it could be really triggering for people during pregnancy, mm-hmm. how many women have disordered eating or dis- disordered thoughts or disordered, disordered tendencies and like protecting them from that. Like I yeah. feel there's no awareness around that. And mm-hmm. the doctor is, can be so triggering for people. I'm sure, especially during pregnancy. And I just, yes. it yeah. just really frustrates me really. I agree. It's really, really, even the fact that they tell you like a range from the get go, that's like quote unquote healthy and normal to gain is like upsetting because, because then it's you're not like, taking certain things into consideration. Yeah. For instance, it's not taking into consideration whether you might be a little bit under your like comfortable yeah. place to start. Totally. Totally. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And everybody, if there's one thing I've learned from pregnancy and childbirth, Every single person's experience is different. Yeah. Like literally everybody. Like the compare, you cannot compare it. It's all different. And it's only going to lead to stress when you do. If you're comparing yourself to someone who's, you know, having Mm -hmm. a different experience than you, which is likely that they're having. Yes, exactly. So as long as you feel good, I mean, pregnancy, you don't always feel good. So like, yeah, like. Do what Don't you can to feel good. Do what good. you can, yes. <laughs> like, take a freaking nap. Like, whatever. Go on a walk if you want to. Eat some freaking ice cream. Like, real ice. Like, it's so, yeah, it's really frustrating. What were your big pregnancy cravings, actually? Um, in the first trimester, I really craved salty and spicy. 
Mm. like hot Cheetos, which is something I had never eaten before. (laughs) How did you even know to eat them? I just remember I was working, like walking at work outside and I like went into Dwayne Reed and I just saw them and I was like, whoa, I need that. (laughs) And like barbecue chips, like heaven on earth. It was so weird because I would never like right now I'd be like, eh, like that's not something I I would love to ever know want. what that is. Like what what in the spiciness is like what is that? I have read that it's like your body wanting what is it? Something about body temperature to like um, I forget yeah. what it is. I don't know. But, but it's, it's crazy common. that like even though they have theories, I don't think they actually know. No, because the body is such a mystery. And I do love the like um, old wives tales. Like they say, if it's spicy, it's a boy. If if you want sweet, it's a girl, which I don't think there's any truth to those, but But it was kind of of exciting. It wasn't my case. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I love, I love all of those things. But I also, in the first trimester, like I only wanted carbs. I could not eat meat. I could not really eat like anything because I just like didn't feel good. So I would eat a lot of Pop-Tarts and oatmeal. And like, those are like, I don't know, like that's not something I want now ever. But at the time I would just like lie on the couch and eat like a lot of Pop-Tarts. It's so interesting. You know, my friend Alexis, who she's like my internet friend. So you've- Yes. Yeah. She was pregnant, I think two years ago. And she was like, I only, and she's a nutritionist. She like, you know, has, she's very fuck it diet friendly, but she has, you know, she knows a lot about food and whatever. Yeah. All I can eat without throwing up for months at a time was bread with jelly. That was it. Oh my God. Yeah. It was like and crackers and jelly. She was like anything else I will throw up. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's like, you're not going to, you're not going to not do that and projectile vomit. Exactly. All the food that you think is so good for you. If your body won't even keep it down. And imagine if you had really disordered eating and you were very scared of eating carbs. I wonder what that's literally all you can do. Like, I wonder what those pregnancies are like. It would be miserable. Yeah. So, I mean, pregnancy is really hard in general. So adding that on top of it is cruel. It is. To women. It's so cruel. It's really cruel. Like your body is doing something miraculous, truly. So to add any of that bullshit on top is like. It really, it really is. Crazy. You're so right. It's just, yeah. like, it's a torture. Like you're yeah. already being tortured in, in a variety of ways. Like Right, right. Yeah. And then there's people that have, you know, like maybe you do have like gestational diabetes or like some other condition that I don't know. I don't know how you manage that, right? but I'm sure that that is stressful too. Like, yeah, I'm sure it's very stressful, but again, there are ways of managing it that aren't like, it's, it's not about being like strict. It's about like being aware and balancing and. Yep. I also learned this like goes along with it. Like I did like a lot of prenatal yoga and stuff during it. And like there, she talked a lot about like when you go into labor and have a baby, you want your body to be soft and like loose, like, so like, and not tense. So all of this stuff about like exercising throughout pregnancy and like making sure like there's so much emphasis on that as well, because people say like, oh, it makes your labor better. Like it makes you healthier. It makes your recovery better. But 
if you're like stressing yourself out, exercising and dieting, you're clearly not going to be like loose and soft. Right. And like, that's what you want for a a birth. Like the baby baby has to come out of you. Surrender. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that's really hard to do, but like, finding like gent like it's all about being gentle with yourself like right. gentle and nourishing that's like right. the soft looseness that we want not like the rigid stressed out you know it's biking great that she miles. said that like it's amazing that yeah. she had that that awareness yes this like it's through the prenatal yoga center of New York. And I discovered they're in on the Upper West Side, but I discovered them during, you know, peak COVID time in the spring because all their classes were online, but they are very, very, very like body positive, surrendering, like whole, like just lovely. It's that's just so it was great. And so that's, great. That should be the way it is. The fact that that's like an anomaly in uh-huh. like pregnancy in like anything that serves or supports people who are pregnant is horrible. The fact yep. that it's like normal for it to be this rigid thing. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. It's really crazy. And I get that it's scary and like the way that a lot of people, especially in our culture, try and manage scary things is like to have, try and like have extreme control over your body. Like I understand that that is a logical thing that people do during pregnancy because it makes them feel like they can control the situation. But as you just said, it's not about controlling the situation. It's about- No, no. Yep. It's not- and even like a birth in itself, like you can't control what's going to happen with your birth plan right. because your plan is probably not going to happen. Like I've heard a lot of like, <laughs> of, I feel like there are a lot of like op-ed pieces about like how those rigid plans and like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And it's going to be, yeah. I'm going to do it all natural. I'm going to like, I'm going to breastfeed for two years and blah, blah, yeah. like really can like cause an extreme amount of stress. Like, Yeah the stress that you're trying to avoid, <laughs> but exactly like, more stressful. I know it's really not good at all. It's very comparable to diets too. It's like, I'm going to mm-hmm. manage this, control this, and I'm going to have this perfect outcome and I'm going to yep. be amazing and impressive and happy every day. <laughs> yes. I know <laughs> exactly. And like, that is a part of it too, with the, with new moms, like the, the body image dieting on top of every other stress that you experience. So how has that been and what have you noticed like either for and both for yourself and then also for like the the annoying Instagram accounts that uh yes you may not you may or may not still follow. I'm not sure. Um so postpartum is definitely hard. And like everybody says that or they don't say it. I don't know. I, it's hard to even, like, I feel like our mom's generations never talked, don't talk about it. And it was like easy breezy and everything is just great. But now, you know, it's coming out more like it's really hard because there's just so much stress on women to do everything and to do it perfectly. Yeah. So, and obviously there's a huge, huge, huge stress about bouncing back with your body. Right. Right. Huge. And like, and I have had so many people in my life, you know, say to me like, oh, you'll bounce back quick. Like, don't worry about it. Like, right. Like putting a lot of emphasis on yeah. that too. And it's like, okay, 
Um, you just let me like live a little bit. I'm exhausted. Yeah. yeah. And like, okay. So from the beginning, when you push out a baby or, or if you have a C-section, which is a whole other healing process, yeah, you are sore right. and you don't, I mean, it's like a huge, huge thing that your body just did. So for a long time, you really need to heal. Like yeah. some serious healing needs to happen. And oftentimes what's typical is that your six week appointment after you give birth is when the doctor will clear you for exercise. Mm-hmm. But like at that point for myself personally, I was not, like I just had stopped, like I was wearing diapers like a week before that. Right. Like I was still like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm not going to go out and like run a mile. Like <laughs> what the hell? Like, so didn't you? Or was that recently? I, that was more recently, but then that was when we discussed bras. (laughs) Yes. That was when we discussed bras. Yes. So like your boobs are huge. Your, your vagina is healing. (laughs) So I ran like literally one mile because I felt like I needed like a little cardio that day. And my pelvic floor was like feeling so just uncomfortable. Oh yeah. You said this is not normal. You were like, it's falling out. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So then add that to the mix. And then like, like I was like, I can't run. Like my uterus is going to fall out. (laughs) So you know, your body is going through so much healing. So now I'm in pelvic floor therapy. Shout out to my therapist who's probably going to listen to this. Yay. Yay. And it's been so incredibly helpful, but it's like a long healing process. It's now I'm what, like 17 weeks out and I'm still healing. So it's, it's just so important for other people to, to hear that because the way that our parents' generation was, and then the generations before that were even worse, I'm sure. Yeah. There is this like, oh, just don't talk about it. Just like, you know, deal with the stress yourself. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Because you shouldn't need to feel stress at all. Yeah. And just like have it all and maybe even just go back to work immediately. And like, you can do anything because you're a woman. It's like, actually, because I'm a woman, you are making me do everything and I'm so tired. I know. It's too much. I don't know how like women who are working from home with babies and all with COVID, like I, it is actually an impossible task. No, I don't know either. So I don't I think it's, I think it's driving people to like very fast burnout. Like, I think we're going to have like a burnout crisis. If we, we, uh-huh. we kind of already did even before, before COVID, I think it's just going to be a lot worse. Like in the years to come, we're going to be like, why are we all so tired? Uh, maybe because like, we have just been expected to do the impossible, the impossible. The, yep. It is impossible. It's impossible. Or you could do everything to like 20% capacity, like yeah. just do everything poorly because you can't do anything well because <laughs> everything it's too much. I know. Yeah. It's really a lot. Um, but anyways, going back to the body stuff with postpartum. So yes, Instagram is just such a delight and such a curse. Like it is so difficult to see. I have like two people in mind. One person I talked to you about a lot, she's had a lot of babies and she posts a lot of pictures of her stomach, like, Mm -hmm. you know, very, very quickly after birth. And very, very tiny, very tiny, like perfect. Looks like she's like 20 years old, never gave birth ever. And I asked myself, like, what good is this photo doing for anyone? Anyone. 
I, I don't know. Nothing. Like you, she tries to be relatable to other moms. You're not <laughs> like, I don't know. Does she frame it as like women empowerment? Yes. Or it's like, you know, we, we all got this girls like woohoo, like, like love my body. And it's like, well, you love your body because it's like a per- perfect, like, I don't even know. The like, entire world is applauding you for how impressive yes, you are and how quickly. Yeah. Yes. And it's like, you know, I'm sitting here in adult diapers. like, uh. <laughs> And yeah, I'm sure for 99.99% of the people who follow her, who have just had babies or who had babies two years ago are only feeling horrible about themselves. Yes. And without that awareness, I'm sure they think, oh my God, thank God for her. She's inspiring me to be my best self. I'm really going to like yes. take charge this year, not understanding how toxic that usually ends up being very toxic. And also it's very clear to me following her that she has a lot of disordered, um, mm. thoughts around eating, around exercise. Like and she's an it, exercise person. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's and her job. Yes. Yes. And I'm really actually happy that now I can see that very clearly before yes. there was a period of time where I envied her and I was like, wow, like she's right. I got to do this, blah, 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 blah. But now I'm like rolling my eyes and I'm like, okay, like good luck with that. Like, Yeah. It's clear as day. It really is clear as day. So Annie has like followed and unfollowed this person like over the years, yes. Yes. <laughs> over the years. And we're not going to say who it is, but it's because yeah. this person's uh, husband is well known, right? Yes. Yeah. Had mm-hmm. a little thing for the husband. So I think there was like an affinity, yes. like affinity for following the, but I feel like you've sent me her stuff, like through the years, she's been like, oh, look how annoying this is. Like I'm unfollowing her again. Yeah. But I feel like she's almost gotten worse and worse through the years. I agree. I agree. And it's almost like she, it's, it's almost mean. I'm like, what is, what is wrong with you? Like, why are you, <laughs> right. it, I'm like, are you serious right now? Like, this is like gross. Please right. stop. Yeah. Or like, you know, videos of herself out on a run. And not to mention, like, she is in a situation that most moms in America are not. Like, she has unlimited money. She has mm-hmm. unlimited resources. She probably has many nannies, which is wonderful if that's something you can afford and do. But, but she then never to, talks yeah, about that. Exactly. And she's not transparent about it. And it's annoying. So, so annoying. So, and also, I would say, like, for, in, for uh, Instagram and influencer life, like, pretty common. Yeah, for sure. There's actually another girl that I follow that's more normal, but she's like, um, like a person that has like, you know, she like posts like outfits and gets, you know, money for mm-hmm. when people buy them, whatever. Mm-hmm. But her baby was born like two weeks after Theo. And so I follow her because our babies are like the same age, but she, same thing. Like she would post like these gorgeous family photos, professional, like wearing like jeans. And I'm like, you know, in sweatpants, just feeling hard. Like, I'm like, how did you do your hair? Like, what the hell? Right. And she also posted like right after her baby was born, she posted like this thing, um, this photo once of her husband giving him a bottle that was like really full of milk. And she was talking about pumping. And I was like, at the beginning of breastfeeding, like I, it's common that you don't get a lot of milk when you're, when you start pumping Mm -hmm. and it can be like a very emotional journey, whatever. But I was like, 
how the hell did she get that much milk? And I, I was like triggered by it because I was mm. upset. I was like, when I pumped, I got like half an ounce. Like, what is that? Right, right. And then later she revealed to this day that she has had a really difficult breastfeeding journey. Um, she was supplementing with formula for but a while. Why like, not say that initially? Exactly, like, it's so exactly. irresponsible. It really is. It's so irresponsible. Like, can't yeah. she put herself in her followers' shoes? I know. And at that time, I was like, oh my God, things are going so well for her. It's so easy for her. And I compared myself and I was like, you know, my nipples are cracking and I'm crying. Like, why is this so easy for her? And then, like, months later, she revealed that it's been like really difficult for her. So I would have appreciated if, you know, I, if I had known that <laughs> initially, so, I know I, I'm yeah. sure she didn't think, Oh, there were people, well, she should have, but I'm sure she didn't think that there were people who had a baby right when I did and they're right along yeah. with me. Like exactly. I'm sure she was like, I'll eventually tell people I'm like too overwhelmed to like explain it right now. I'm sure that's yeah. what it was, yeah. but you have to understand, like literally if you are an influencer, you are influencing people, yes, you are influencing exactly. how they feel and what they do and what they think they should be doing. Like that is and it does affect people. Like that's how our brains work. It's, I mean, I know a lot of people follow me and I'm sure feel that way about some of the things that I do or say, but I feel that way about people that I follow too. Like it's just, yeah, brains work. I know. I know. And it's just so much nicer when people are transparent about it all. And I know that's hard because being an influencer, I'm sure it's like 24 hours a day, like, and it's your life and it's kind of hard to make a boundary. But if you but do having that awareness, yeah. yeah. And like truly yeah. helping would be to say like, this is really hard for me. If it's hard for you, like you're not yeah, alone, basically. Totally. But also like the, the photo shoot, like if you think, I'm sure it took everything in her to do that, first of all, yeah, and she didn't right. share it. I'm sure she had a, a hair team and a makeup team. I'm sure yep. that she'd been planning for it, like her whole pregnancy. Right, exactly. I, I'm, yeah. I'm betting it took a lot of effort and it's also her job. And yes, it's probably yes. the only thing she had to do that week, you know? Right, exactly, exactly. So it seems like, oh my God, you're so together. What's wrong with me? And meanwhile, I'm sure she was like depleted yes that but not talking about it you know yeah exactly I know and it's just so hard not to compare yourself to it because I'm like if I had to put on jeans right now like and get all dolled up I would just feel like crap like I don't understand how she's looks like she's feeling amazing maybe she wasn't yeah yeah she she probably looked like she was or she probably was happy in that moment she's like we did it yeah I I saw a, a gif of Mindy Kaling doing this little like butt shake thing she has a bizarre Instagram presence, but she was like, still rocking the pregnancy jeans. Oh yes. I saw, I saw. It's like, thank you. Yes. Which is what you want to see. Yes. And like, I feel like celebrities have gotten more open about like postpartum stuff. Like, uh, Katy Perry, I think after she gave birth posted, you know, herself in like the, um, mesh underwear they give right. you, you know, like some right. kind of vulnerable photo, but like, that's the stuff that really resonates with people. Like, we do want to see that and just know that we're not alone, especially exactly. now when we're all alone. So like physically. <laughs> so, it's horrible to be like, everyone is like having an amazing life on their gorgeous porches and they're with their perfect hair. How do they know? How I to know do hair? <laughs> it's so weird, but like, yeah, like that girl, I'm like, I, and I look at her body and I'm like, wow, like she looks like she's back to her pre-body weight. And like, I compare myself to that. 
but as if that's as if that's like healthier or whatever yeah probably not exactly and she actually did reveal once recently she like showed that she was like wearing spanks on something and like showed her stomach and I was like oh okay like that makes me feel like you're more normal. I don't know. Like, right. Can you have that companion post to every single thing that you yeah. post? Like the, the real side. I feel like it's becoming more, it's interesting. Like all, all influencer stuff is so bizarre because it's all following trends. Like when people start to reveal more, it's still like manipulative in a weird yes, way. It's I like, know. Oh, I'm like being so honest and authentic that you're, yes, that you're going to really like, you know, resonate with me or whatever. But still like if you had to choose like showing the true hard times is I Mm -hmm. think much more helpful yeah it is and I know it's hard it's a lot to ask of people like I don't know what it's like to be an influencer but it to me it seems like an all-encompassing job yeah I think it's probably really bad for their mental health to be honest yeah so like because you have to like have this facade all of the time yeah But I will say that through like my postpartum journey, I have found a lot of really great um, accounts that are like in line with. Maybe you you can share them with me and I can put them in the notes for this episode when it comes out in January. Yeah, let's do that. I think people will, would love to know that because I'm sure there are people listening who have young babies themselves. And also there were two things before we've been recording for so long, but there were two things that I just want to touch on before we say goodbye. Yes. And one is what you said about breastfeeding earlier today before we started recording. Yes. So there is like a myth that breastfeeding actually helps you lose weight really quickly. But I learned that a lot of women actually hold on to weight when they're breastfeeding and they don't actually shed that extra baby weight until after they've weaned their baby. And that is so interesting because it's like biologically it makes what your body should be doing. (laughs) It makes sense. Like Like, why would you waste away while you need to be feeding your baby? Like what if something happens or what if you go a couple days not having enough food? Of course we're going like biologically when we didn't have whole foods down the road. But and it's amazing. Like that's so cool that your body can do that for your smart enough. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm guessing this is what I risk this. We we were just texting about things before we started recording, but I said, you know, I bet a lot of the people who lose weight really, really fast when they're breastfeeding are like restricting a little bit. Yeah, totally. And like to add that layer on top of it, like breastfeeding is hard and you know, also you're sleep deprived, you're emotional, all this shit. And then if you are dieting on top of that, like that is the perfect storm for perfect misery. Like I don't understand how people even function under those I'm sure like, you know, I know that postpartum depression has many factors and like just hormones dropping is, is one of them. Also circumstantial is another one, but I bet that a lot of the pressure of being a very new mom and all of the expectation to like be eating perfectly again now that you're not pregnant anymore. I'm sure yeah. that, that is a factor in a lot of totally, totally. Like, yeah, how could like, it not be? Totally. Like the hunger that I experience breastfeeding is like nothing I've ever experienced before. Like, and the thirst, like your body is just a machine. Like you have to nourish it, and like I feel good. Like I feel good doing it and I feel like, 
like healthy and well. And it's just, I can't imagine denying yourself that because your body needs it so badly. And it's like crying for it. It's like, oh my God, I need protein now. Like it's, I feel like there, yeah. And, and like to be able to listen to that and just trust it, I I bet is like a wonderful feeling because I feel like there are things that I've read where it's like, when you're breastfeeding, you really only need like I don't know what the amount is, but some like ridiculously low amount, like this much more calories than you usually need. And it's like, what? Totally. Well, first of all, I don't trust what you're telling me I usually need. First of all. Second of all, what the fuck? Like, you don't know. You don't, you don't know. Yeah, exactly. You don't know. You don't know. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Every baby is different. Like maybe your baby needs more than another baby. Like, I don't know. Or like, apparently your breast milk composition changes every day, depending on what your baby needs. Like, how does it know? It's freaking a miracle. I don't know. But like, it, it must, it must like your body just, your poor body, if you're not honoring it and giving it. Now this, I'm going into like science fiction right now, but like, just wondering how it knows. Like, I wonder if it, you're like, nipples like read the saliva of your baby yeah I think it does I do I think it is something to do with saliva that's so cool I think you're right that's so amazing it's amazing it's really cool it really is and then the last thing is I got a text from you like pretty early on I kind of maybe it was early October and you were saying like okay I'm gonna go buy a new pair of jeans and I'm gonna get a pair of jeans that fits me Exactly yes. as I am right now. And I was like, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so the prenatal yoga center, I feel like I heard this quote from them. They, they, she said like, after you give birth, the landscape of your pelvis is changed forever. Like it just mm. is like, because you did such, like your body went through such an incredible thing. Like how could you possibly expect it to be the same? Yeah. So that resonated with me. I was like, you know what? this is my body. Well, this is my body right now. Um, maybe this is my body forever. I don't know. And right. I'm going to go out and freaking buy some pants that look good, feel good and fit. Because so, anything else is like a torturous torture. misery. Physically, oh emotionally, mentally. Yeah. And, and do that. I'm sure like, oh, I'm going to get yeah. it right. And like, make sure that I make this fit. And it's like, great. Yeah, like, no. Have fun, not having fun. Yeah. No. And it took me like, I, I went to the store and I like got like eight pairs of pants and like so many different sizes. Cause I just didn't know. Yeah, you And don't I just know. would like whip through them until one was like, you know, nice and comfy. And I was like, great, this is it. So I feel really good about that choice as well. I'm um, so glad it made me so happy to hear because I know that that's like the only way to go clothes shopping. And especially during like a stressful time where I'm sure there's totally. this weird cultural BS around. Yeah, exactly. I also bought a new coat because I was like, my coat feels tight. Like my boobs are big, like everything's changed mm-hmm. and I'm not going to walk around in this tight coat being uncomfortable. No. Hell no. So I just, this is, this is my body now and it is doing really freaking amazing things. And your baby and it is feels amazing. Good. Yes. And he's healthy and good. And like, just feeling good is so important, obviously. And, you know, you just got to do what's best for your body. Just got to oh, eat. <laughs> yes, you got to eat. One more thing I wanted to say is like, 
like you have your baby and like you focus so much on taking care of this sweet, precious baby and giving it all the best things and like nourishing it and everything, but you totally neglect the mother. Like, yes. That makes no sense at all. Yeah. But it's so normal. And it's so telling, like, and to yeah. realize, like, I can't take care of my baby fully if I'm not taking care of myself, yep. if I'm not yep. eating enough. Yeah. In the, in the very least. In the very, in the very, yeah, like the basic need of your body. Yep. I know. It's so crazy. Well, I'm it's so just, happy that you have like a, it would be horrible if you were stuck in any sort of mentality that we both had in the past. It'd be horrible. <sighs> I know. It'd, It'd be so really horrible. Better. So, so really many people are, and I hope that anybody who's pregnant or postpartum and is feeling trapped or restricted, I hope that they can find a little twinkle of light in the future for themselves. Yes. And we'll, and surrender. we'll, and we'll include those accounts that you like following and hope yes, I'll send them to you because they've been really, really helpful. There is really a good community out there. With all the same values. You can't follow Annie because she's private. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. So, sorry. I also don't have any great content. So, <laughs> working on it. You I'll let you know when I wash my hair. You don't need to be. Yeah. Uh, what if we, like, during now and when this comes out, I was like, okay, Annie, it's time for you to, like, step up your social media game and I'm going to like give you all these followers from this. It's time. That'd be stressful. Oh my God. It would be very stressful. I'd have to call that girl and see what photographer she used for her family <laughs> like photos. Who, who did her hair that day? You're like, Tom, get ready. Get out your outfit. Yeah. Who did your hair that day? Who gave you that amazing braid? You're going to be like, Tom, you're going to be taking a lot of photos. A lot of in. photos. Oh no. No, thanks. No. I'll just share other people who yeah, exactly. want the followers. That's my, my Christmas gift. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Again, if you want to reach out to Annie about anything pregnancy or postpartum related, you can follow her at Annie B. McCarthy and send her a message. And I've also shared some of the accounts that she has loved following Um, a lot of postpartum accounts. Those are also in the show notes. And other than that, oh wait, (laughs) sorry. Okay, I need to share this. I am currently enrolling the Fuck It Diet Book Club. It is my only live program that I run these days. It is the only time that I'm running it in 2021. And it is a paid program. It costs $547. There are eight weeks of live calls and daily prompts and community and lots of conversations in the community. It's not on Facebook. It's on Mighty Networks, but it's very similar to a Facebook group. Um, It's a live course with me at the helm and also a big group of alums who have already gone through the program as well as other people who you get to connect with who are trying to do the same thing. And we use the Fuck a Diet book as a textbook. It's called the Fuck a Diet Club. used to be called the Fuck a Diet Book Club, but people were confused thinking it was going to be like a free book club when it's actually a course. Um, I love running it. It is really, 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 really fulfilling for me and I have lots of happy members and happy alums which always makes me really happy but I would love for anyone who wants to join a community that's led by me 
all about the Fuck a Diet. To check it out, there are payment plans if you can't afford the price, you know, in full. And that's all I have to say. I just, you know, clearly I, I recorded this whole podcast episode and totally forgot to even to, to mention it, but it will be enrolling until January 14th, 2021. We start on January 17th. Our live calls are on Sundays, but you don't even need to attend them live. You can watch the replays and send in questions ahead of time. And I'm excited about it. If you are interested in checking out more details or signing up for the program, you can go to thefuckadiet.com slash club. Again, enrollment is only open until January 14th, and we begin on January 17th and run through March 14th. I think that's the Ides of March. I'm not sure. I don't even really know what the Ides of March are. Okay, thefuckadiet.com slash club. If not, I will talk to you in two weeks right here and I hope you are doing all right. Goodbye.